So we're ending a series called Move. The first one we talk about moving closer to our God. And we wanted to give you the how and the practical how-to and the steps to, to really do that. Many people want to move closer to God, but they didn't necessarily know how to. And if you haven't heard that podcast, please check it out because uh, the idea is, is that I want you to date our Lord. I want you to grow intimate in your relationship with him. It's vitally important. Apart from him, you can do absolutely nothing of eternal substance. And so then the next message we talked about was moving closer to our church. I contended for why the local church is and will always be important. Why we not only gather here, but why we do life together and why it's important. So those two messages you can check out. I won't go into that. Today's message, though, is moving closer to your community. And uh, last night, as uh, I had, I had, we've been in a busy, busy season this past week. And by the way, just a, I, again, a thank you so much for all of you who not only served yesterday, but the fact that we're even moving across town is because sacrificial people have a vision to touch people. You've given your time, your talents, your resources. And the idea that you want to serve people in serving with people like that is awesome. It's awesome. And it makes my job easier. But uh, Hope and I in our heart, the number one reason we're here is because we want to share Christ with people. And you hear that term a lot, but what does that mean? And, and, I wanted, I wanted today knock down some, I want to knock down some religious cows. I also want to, I want to, you may have had some legalistic background. I absolutely want to smash that today. And actually, I'm also going to make you uh, uh, a little uncomfortable today. Everybody said, amen. amen. <laughs> Say, I can't wait to be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, uh, so as I was saying, I had this message all written out. I, I mean, I thought, man, it's exegetically perfect. And then the Lord said, yeah, that looks great, but now flip it. And so, so he, uh, I had my vision for this message. And last night he said, flip it. I said, okay, yes, sir, I'll do that. So I want to start out in the book of John, John chapter four. And we're talking about positioning ourselves for better outcomes uh, we're talking about how do I engage my community and, and share Christ. I thought the best example to learn from would be Jesus himself. Would you agree? John chapter 4, verse 5. I'm reading out of the Message Bible. It says, He, meaning Jesus, came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, we'll camp on that in a second, sat down at the well and it was noon. There's a reason for that detail. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. First thing I want to draw your attention to is, did you notice that Jesus was worn out? He was tired. That's actually a revelation for some people. You mean the God of the universe, God in the flesh, God in both God and fully human, he was tired? Bible says he was tired, right? He was tired. Now, what's interesting is he sends the disciples out. Did we not read that it, sometimes J J Jesus took these fishes and loaves and multiplied them and, and did these miracles? Well, how come he didn't do it that time? Just a question I'm asking. Well, you're going to see as this story unfolds that, and Jesus says to us all the time, I only do what I see my father doing. I'm only led by the spirit. I do what he tells me to do. And the reason he didn't do the fishes and loaves miracle there is because he didn't need to do because his father told him, didn't tell him to. 
It's called being spirit-led. And when you're sharing Christ, here's the thing at the end of the day that I want you to remember. Being spirit-led will take you uncomfortable places in uncomfortable situations with unpopular people, with unpopular circumstances, and he's going to ask you to walk through it. But he will also tell you no, yes, yes, no, depending on the season you're in. We're going to multiply some fishes here, but we're not here. Are you following me on this? Okay, this is important. It was at noon. This woman being there at noon... Every commentary I've studied, most of them agree the reason it was noon is because she wanted to avoid the culture. She was the scourge and the scourge of, of that society. The Samaritans did not like this woman. So she avoided these women that were going to make fun of her. She went at noon. There's a reason that she did that when she drew water, okay? She's a runner. She's a runner. I want you to, to think about that. So Jesus, we see his humanity. He's tired. And uh, he, he's not performing the miracle there that he did. he's done in other instances. And in verse 7, it says, or verse 9, it says, The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you've talked to someone that made you feel uncomfortable? How many of you have ever felt a situation where you had that? Now, I'm talking to you Christians here. You had, you knew you needed to have a God talk. Anybody felt that? Anybody blown it and missed it? Anybody felt serious condemnation over it when you did? You know where that's from, right? I'm going to smash legalism today. Uh, let me tell you something. Working for Christ is not a religious formula. It's being led by the Spirit of God. Say, I'm led. In season and out of season, you're led. And here's the deal. Jesus was tired. He wasn't, I mean, I, I can imagine the Lord. Think of the thousands of people that wanted to touch him and, and be around him. And, and this, was not a, this was not a place that a Jewish rabbi would be. He would not be caught dead with a Samaritan woman at a well. And here's the other one. He was alone with her. Think about that. The God of the universe is showing up with the scourge of society, and he's coming to invade her, invade her world. And here's verse 10. It says, Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. It's, a, it's cool there because now all of a sudden he's taken the situation and the Holy Spirit moves it in a spiritual direction. I, I find that there's been times in my life where I've had those moments where the Holy Spirit's nudging and just ask them a question or, or, or lead them in here and say, you know what, God did this for me. And I can watch the body language of people when you enter God into the situation. Anybody ever seen the countenance of someone the moment you say Jesus? When Jesus invades a situation, circumstances change. People squirm. We're about to read about a squirmer. She's a squirmer. Here she is. She's immediately resistant. Here we go. Verse 11. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Now, what's interesting, and there's some symbolism in there. Jacob's well in this situation is really a, a picture of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Now Jesus has invaded the scene, and radical grace is right before her. So we have the old and the new. Now watch this. this. This is interesting. Verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. 
the law. Won't ever have to come back to this well again, the law. Now again, she's thinking temporarily. Verse 16, he said, go call your husband and then come back. Oh, now he hit the hot button. Now he hit the point of hurt. Now he hit the point of need. Go and call your husband. (laughs) And here's the game changer. This is the word of knowledge that's coming here. She says, I have no husband, she said. Of course, she's lying in a way. She's telling a half-truth. That's nicely put, Jesus said. I have no husband. Yeah, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. So Jesus presses the wound. Verse 19, oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? I want you to understand that when we engage people, there's going to be times where people deflect us, that they're uncomfortable, that they'll switch the scenario. But I want you to know that Jesus hung in there because he was anointed by the Spirit to go in places that weren't comfortable. Jesus didn't ask us to always be comfortable. He asked us to be faithful. And I'm going to talk about, you say, Ryan, this is scary to me. I want to tell you, I asked Pastor Arnie, who was perhaps the greatest, most anointed one-on-one evangelist I have ever seen. And I said, do you get fear when you share Christ in any form or fashion with people? He said, every time. Every time. And I find that to be true. I feel that fear too. I'm being completely transparent. I mean, I've had situations where I've walked in places in street ministry in Minnesota before I was ever a pastor. And I was not called. I didn't feel. I was called for a season to do it. And I went in places and and people are rolling up marijuana sticks and I'm saying, do you know the Lord? And he's looking at me like I need one of those things that he's smoking. And uh, I've I've run up to to drunks in the middle of the street uh, out there. I remember coming to Hope one night. It was freezing outside. I think it was freezing. It was one of those circumstances. And she was blitzed out of her mind. I looked up to her. I said, you know, we we engaged a conversation. One thing led to another. I said, you know, I was drunk once, but, you know, uh, God did something really cool for me. And, uh, you know, that thing can go just like that. She sobered up immediately on spot. And you know why I know that? It takes a drunk to know one, especially a drunk that's set free. She bawled like a baby. I've seen the power of God do that. But I will tell you that when, I, when the flesh was saying, don't go, don't do, don't do, I had to press through it. God will give you the power to do anything. Say, I can do all things through Christ. See, we want to walk on water, but none of us want to get out of the boat. We got to get out of the boat. You want to be a game changer, you got to be out of the boat. And that's the hardest thing. But Jesus, here he is. He's going places that the culture says not to go to because radical grace will do that. Radical grace will take you places and things that situations that you would never under your normal, rational, hip, cool mindset would ever walk into. And I, and I, I I just, the compassion of Jesus here is so evident. Now, she's playing the race card, you Jews, you know. But here's what Jesus answers. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming, it has, in fact, come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. 
Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. And by the way, worship isn't just Sunday raising our hands. Yay, Jesus, thank you. I surrender all. Go home and live like hell. Amen? (laughs) Worship is every day. All right? Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And here's what Jesus said, I am he. You don't have to wait any further. And when Jesus came on that scene, her life had a focal point. There was a decision point right there that she had to make. I know who you are. You've been revealed to me. The choice then is up to her. How many know that you can't get anybody saved? How many of you know that? Because if you start taking responsibility for someone getting saved and coming to Christ, then you need to take responsibility when they backslide too. That's just a freebie, you know. But the point is, is that how many of you experienced the awesome power of God when you've shared Christ from the guts and bottom of your heart, when you've been transparent, you said, you know, I've struggled with this and I've struggled with that. Your weaknesses actually open doors for the Holy Spirit to show his strength through you to someone else. In my weakness, I am made strong. strong. And I'm going to tell you this. I actually, when I was in Minnipan Avenue uh, doing some of that street ministry, again, I was called for a season to do that. There was this guy, man. I mean, they would talk about him. Ten Commandments, turn or burn, baby. Turn or burn. And it drove us batty. Because then if I actually approached someone and just wanted to share the gospel, they thought I was that guy. Or they thought I was like that guy. And if you follow the heart of Jesus, Jesus didn't fillet unbelievers. He filleted the believers who were acting like, can I say idiots? I know it's church. Can we be real, though? (laughs) The religious people of that time, Jesus, he had fits with because they would fillet the unbeliever. The unbeliever doesn't know Jesus. Our whole point is to bring them to Jesus. And the best way I've found over the years is to be absolutely 100% transparent and to say this, I know how you feel. I felt the same way, but here's what I found. Jesus met my need back then. He's meeting it now. And here's what he's going to do for me. Can I share that with you in some form or fashion? Everybody has a story. And what Jesus shows us here is that when he comes on the scene, he's asking questions. How many of you have ever asked somebody a question and it leads to more questions? So just in a normal conversation, you just, you show interest in someone. Now, if we're all real, and I had this conversation earlier with someone else, I said, uh, What I loved about my job, the job that I had before this one, is I was a reporter. I could ask questions, and I would ask them, okay, well, why do you do what you do? And it's amazing. I could have an hour conversation with someone, say five words, and they thought, oh, my gosh, Ryan. Man, that was a wonderful conversation. I loved it. Thank you so much. I learned so much from you. And I said five words, which is amazing because I talk a lot. But the the point is, is when I began to ask questions, you learn about them. When you ask questions and you truly care not that trying to convert someone to a religion. How many of you wanted to be converted when you weren't? That's religious thinking. And, and just for the record, people aren't dumb. They know when you're out to be a, a notch in the, oh, I got that one saved. <laughs> Hello. 
That's religious thinking. I'm going to tell you, there's been people I've engaged with, uh, you know, over the years that, that I have never once by the Spirit of God been led to go there. Not once. Now, that's being real. And I've fought through fear. And I, can, I mean, I'm being transparent. Have any of you, you know what I'm feeling. But, you know, Jesus does say, and, and I'm not, and take this the right way, but you don't throw your pearls to pigs. <laughs> and if the Holy Spirit says, no, they're not ready. You love them. You pray for them. I pray for people behind their back all the time. I mean, militant. But you wait. And, and, and this is the part that I want you to see. Jesus was spirit-led in every situation. Okay? He, he did only what the Father. He didn't do a religious formula on how to get someone saved. He, you don't have to be a master of the four spiritual laws to share Christ. You know you can give a book to someone. You can, you can, uh, you can give an encouraging word. You know sharing Christ is not just this little thing. It's, this, it's, it's engaging your community. Does that make sense? in the situations that Jesus opens up for you. So I wanted to start out. Initially, I was going to finish this message with this story, but the Lord, he put it on my heart to start with it. And then here it says, back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Now, the one thing I didn't expound on in that story that I'm going to expound on now is that I want to ask you a question. How did Jesus know that she had five husbands? Well, Ryan, he's God. Okay, here's what I'm going to, this is going to be a revelation for some of you. Yes, he, yes, he is God. Yes, he is. But how many of you know that Jesus stripped himself of his divine privileges? Right? It says in Philippians 2, read it in your Bible. Jesus stripped himself so he had to play by the rules that you and I play. Didn't we read that he was tired? You see his humanity, correct? All throughout scripture, it says that Jesus was anointed with power from who? The Holy Spirit. So here's where I'm, I'm taking you. A, B, C, A to C, Jesus was anointed by his father through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus did, and he was anointed by the Spirit, guess what? You can do. Oh, I hear it. I hear it. Come on, Ryan. That's garbledygook. You're telling me that we can do what Jesus did? Yes. Yes. Greater. What do you mean greater? I mean, each and every one of you has that kind of power. You mean to tell me I can walk up to someone and read their mail? Yes. Yes. And here's the question I want to ask you. Who told you? Who told you you couldn't? Because that's what the Lord asked me when I said, I see all those TV preachers and things happening, but I don't believe it until I went out in the streets in my little fear and freezing cold and I talk to a drunk and they get healed and I go down to Mexico. I don't know anybody. I, they barely understand a word I'm saying and I'm laying hands on it and people are getting healed. Little old Ryan Kibbe with sin and condemnation and fear and all the other faults and things that you feel I felt. If he can use me, he can use you. If he can use the disciples who are inadequate hotheads who had fear out the you know what, they can use, he can use you. He can use you. And I want to tell you this. I want to set you free of this. You don't have to lead them all. The, you don't have to close them all the time. People don't want to be closed. They want Jesus. Give him a word, a book, a word of encouragement. Be what God asks you to be in a situation. If your boss is screaming at you, 
be spirit-led. So you keep your job. But understand, in that situation, here's what you've got to get. You're anointed to handle not only that situation, but God will give you wisdom and power to not only handle that situation, but bring it for his glory through it. God is not going to exempt you from problems. If you come to this church long enough, I will tell you, you'll have plenty. Of, and especially when you start buying in that there's no limits with God, you'll have more problems come against you. And you'll have more power to overcome it. And a greater testimony to share about the goodness of Jesus. God is good all the time. He's got power for you. It's available. But he said in the Great Commission, go do. Go be. My witnesses. I'm going to talk about that. Acts 1.8. Let's go to Acts 1.8. I'm a little, I'm, I'm, God's flowing here. He's flowing here. But I, I want you to understand that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the anointing that came on him, you have. Here's the reason you don't believe it, because shame, condemnation, fear, uh, a society that just in an unbelieving world and Christians who deny Christ by their lips and their lifestyle, you're better than that. Say, I'm better than that. And I'm real. And God can use me. In any situation. And I want you to believe that. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, this is Jesus talking. And you shall be my witnesses. The key emphasis, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. And there's definitely an order there. We're first called to Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, Green Bay, Northeast Wisconsin, Wisconsin, United States, and missions. This church wants to be engaged in all of it. But my first and primary focus is to equip you to be Christ in your community. And America needs to deal with itself right now. We have an identity crisis. We need, to, we need to give them the real. We need to engage people with compassion and real power. I'm telling you, churchianity is not winning. There are churches I'm hearing all across the city. I've heard that attendance is down. Let's not be one of them. Let's share the good news. Not to build life church, but to build you. And to build the kingdom. Because... Again, we want to walk on water, but we have to get out of the boat. You will face fear. I'm promising you this. You will face fear when you talk to people about your faith. But what you do in that moment is liberating, folks. It's liberating. I'm telling you. I am basically by nature, this may surprise some of you, I'm incredibly shy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a, I, I'm manipulative, man. I'll ask questions of you because I'm deep down inside. I'm thinking, they don't like me. Now, that was the old thinking. But then God got a hold of me and compassion and a real care for people. You begin to ask questions. Do you know that you guys are fascinating? Every one of you has a story. Share it. But not just with me, with others. Don't just come here and exist. Be God in your world. Take what you hear on Sunday and transform your Mondays, not only for you, but for those around you. You have purpose, you have power, and use it. God is so good. But we get marginalized by our thinking. We get marginalized by the objections. And I had a few of them here. I, I can read a few of them here off my iPad. It's really cool. I, I will stop talking about my iPad next week, I promise. I'll be done. Uh, reasons we don't engage a community. I wrote a few. Our lack of effort. You know, we, some of those reasons I, I, I mentioned, some of it's fear, insecurity, feeling we're ill-equipped, apathy. 
Uh, here's another one. It's the preacher's job. Now, let me say this. Evangelism and sharing Christ. Hey, I go to Life Church. You might want to come. That's witnessing. That's okay. That's good. But don't think the Lord's going to give you a pass just to, you know, oh, I'm going to send her to Pastor Ryan. He'll get her done. Okay? Uh-uh. Doesn't work that way. And in fact, the more you resist this, God's going to wreck you. He's going to wreck you hard on this one. He's going to wreck up your theology too. <laughs> because he doesn't want a legalistic, formulaic, soul-winning, whatever. He wants a spirit-led people that affect a nation. That's what he wants. He doesn't want legalistic and rituals. He wants a relationship. And sin consciousness, this is another one. In fact, I'm probably going gonna, gonna to touch this message in a couple weeks. I'm thinking about it as God deals with me on it. But sin consciousness. We are so obsessed with our own sin. And don't look at me like you aren't. Oh, I blew that one. It's hard to repent. Oh, I blew that one. I, I can't, I can't, I can't talk. Okay. I repent. Some of you are repenting so much you don't have time to do anything else. You're sin conscious. You're focusing on the law. Some of you are, you know, on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, grace is sufficient for every illegal business deal that I do. And I surrender all as I steal your car. I surrender. <laughs> Sin consciousness. Okay. That was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a reason I don't sing. Two points from the peanut gallery. Amen. Amen. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I may ask Julie sometime to coach me up, and one of these days I might try to sing too. Maybe a chorus or two, and then we'll keep everybody in the doors. We'll lock the doors so nobody can. Okay, I don't know where that one came from. But uh, here's one I heard too. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. Have you ever heard that one before? Have you heard that one? Well, it's accredited to St. Francis of Assisi, but actually they don't know if he actually said that. I, I did some research just for fun. Uh, it is accredited to him. The thing about that that's interesting is that, is that, is that he was a preacher. <laughs> he, he shared Christ all the time. Here, here's a scenario, and, and I think some people buy into. So here you are, you're mowing your lawn. You're mowing your yard. You're mowing. I mean, that sucker is perfect. The stripes are perfect. I mean, it's Arnie sufficient. I mean, it's good. It's, it's good. And you're mowing that yard. And here comes the guy, the next door neighbor. He's looking at, oh, he mows his lawn so good. I must know this Jesus. I must know this Jesus because he mows a good yard. Come on. <laughs> Okay, that's one extreme, okay? Now, the other extreme is, here's the other one. Uh, every conversation you have with the prospect is, well, you know, Jesus can fix that, you know? And then they see you yelling at your wife and beating up your kid. Are you getting this here? I mean, there's balances. And how we live, these extreme, there's, you know, and, I, and again, I know... Uh, I'm not knocking the church uh, people that do to, to some extent, but uh, when, you, when you have these ritualistic, rigid ways, 
of sharing Christ, it really hurts you and the people. Now, it's a seed that God can use. I, I believe that. You can sow a seed in that. One plants, one harvest. But I will tell you that most often, if you don't engage people, if you don't act like you care, if you don't care and they don't think you care, if people don't care how much you know unless they know you care. And what I love about Jesus in any situation... And again, he played by our rules. So don't give me he's the God excuse. He is God, but he played by our rules. He engaged people. And it's so hard. We have to take time for people. And, and the thing is, guys, here's, here's the deal. I can't do it all. I can't. My job is not to get, my job is to equip you to do the work. Say, I'm a minister. You are. And God wants you to share that. But I, I know that some of you are not bent towards evangelism or this thing just freaks you out. You've heard this message for years in different ways. I just want to liberate you and say this. Be spirit-led. You know how liberating that is? You mean, Ryan, there's times when you're not supposed to share the gospel? Here's the answer. Yes. What? You mean there's moments where you're... Did Jesus sometimes stay silent before people? I'm just, I want you to think that the God of the universe has moments. I mean, as I read the Bible, I even look at divine appointments. There's so many out there. Look at the, remember the guy, the silver and gold, I have none, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Remember that? Do you realize that was in the book of Acts? Do you know that Jesus was already in heaven? Do you know that he was at the gate that Jesus passed all the time? That guy didn't get healed when Jesus was on earth, did he? He got healed when the Holy Spirit came on Peter, <laughs> the disciples, and he got healed, right? So my point is this, what the disciples can do, you can do. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to, to get rid of the excuses. But I also don't want you to get into sin and condemnation and beating yourself up if you've never shared Christ. It is the most awesome experience. It's wonderful. My father-in-law, he called me this week. Uh, and, you know, talk about imperfect people being able to share Christ. Just ask my mother-in-law, Penny. She can tell you the flaws in, in Jerry's game. No, I'm just kidding. Gary. But uh, she said I had permission to beat him up today. But, but Jerry, Jerry uh, you know what? He had a divine appointment this week. He called me up. He went to the hospital of a guy that was dying of cancer. We're believing is on his way, the healing process. Uh, went over there. Jerry, where are you? Are you over there? Yeah, he went, he went into the hospital. This guy not only received Christ, he called his ex-wife and said his countenance was... He says, I've never felt like this. All Jerry was doing is being available. It interrupted his schedule, but he was available. And the joy that I heard on his voice, man, Jerry didn't have anything to gain by it other than just, oh my gosh, I just saw God work. If you want to see God work, you've got to get out of the boat. You can't just come and expect, okay, the Sunday is show or the experience. Let me tell you, the show is out there. 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 The show is in here through you. The God of the universe wants to use you out there. What gets subtly caught and taught, Jesus, even saying Jesus, have you ever noticed I did this too. I'm guilty of this. I'd go to work. I'd be, I was at Channel 5 Minneapolis and I'd have like a book like maybe by jo Joyce Meyer right there on my, uh, my uh, cubicle or whatever. And all of a sudden out of the woodwork, somebody would come like, Psst, are you a Christian? 
like it was a secret, you know? Like, don't tell anybody. He loves Jesus. Now, I'm speaking to some of you because you've felt that. You've felt that. There's a shame that sometimes we feel. Oh, oh, but what did Jesus say? And what did Paul say? I'm not ashamed. And I remember where God used me the best in the marketplace when I was not a pastor was when I had a boss who he and I literally were at loggerheads every day before I got saved. Every day. I wanted this job. It was just, it was just evil. It was vile. And we got to talking. And, and one day I got saved, Hope you know, mentioned about 10 years ago. And about a week into the deal, God convicted me the way I spoke to this guy. Through a, I didn't treat him well. He was my authority. And I began to hear about authority and how I should treat my boss. And it didn't mean I have to be abused, but if I had a part to play and I needed to own it. Well, we get into a fight. Some of it was probably his fault. Some of it was mine. But... The thing that was different was I said, uh, uh, excuse me, and I'll, I'll leave the name out. I, I just need to repent. I'm, I, I should not have treated you that way. The jaw dropped. For the next year and a half, I got the God Squad talk. Oh, Kibby's on the God Squad. I didn't evangelize. I didn't share. Any, I didn't do anything. And you know what? I had all the emotions you would have. Oh, they don't like me. Rejection. They think I'm a freak. And... God, why do I have to do this? And why can't you just send fire down from heaven and light up the... <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> four years later, 2000, four years, four years. I'm heading out to Minneapolis to take a new job. ABC affiliate out there. The dude gives me a hug. He saw all my faults, every one of them, day in, day out, all of them. I'm a Christian today because of you. Talked to him a week or two ago. He's gone through some ridiculous circumstances in his life. I no longer work with him. But uh, he has just an awesome, loves God. It's amazing. And I think that wasn't me. That was Jesus. But you know what? I do. God says we can share in his joy. We don't share his glory, but we can share his joy of a transformed life. I, I, it is the most awesome thing. And I know I'm going a little long. But I want you to know this, that you can do what Jesus said you can do. Many of us want to see miracles, but are we afraid to literally pray, be healed? You may see somebody who's sick in your office place. Oh, man, I've been really dealing with this. Can I? I hope you don't mind. And this is how this is how I, you know, as I listen to the spirit, can I pray for you over that? I mean, I'd really like to see you healed. Can I do that? Most people won't object. <laughs> Some will, you know, I'm an atheist. Okay. Pray behind their back. <laughs> and you engage. I remember, I know how it feels though. I remember before I caught wind of this, and this is, I was a Christian. So it wasn't before I was a Christian, I was a Christian. I remember Hope. She would be in the, uh, she'd be in the checkout line. And then I'd see the look in her eye. It was the stare. And I knew it was like, oh, no, she's not. And I'm sitting here. I've got my candy bar, my Twix or whatever. And I see the look in her eye. And she's about to engage the cashier. And the first thing she would say or something like this, I just wanted to tell you that Jesus loved you. And I would walk away over here and I would go hide. I'm like, oh, Lord. Hi, Dave. Hey, <laughs>
Hi, Dave. You can come out now. You can close it. We're done. It's, it's about, it's 11. You can, you can. I know. <laughs> but my wife inspired me that day because, you know what? To that point, I had not even come close to and this isn't a condemnation thing, guys. I want you to look at it in a different light. I want you to look at this. Is that if you feel inadequate or sin's got a hold of you so bad that, you know, oh, I just don't feel adequate. I'm going to tell you, God uses all of us in all stages. If you've had a fight, you can go. You know, sometimes God has a sense of humor. If, you're, if you have an argument or a family argument, don't be surprised if you send someone your way immediately as you walk out the door. Get over yourself and your sin. Amen? Love God, love people. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I, I want to start with this, though. I, I want you to know that we serve a good God. And if you don't know God, I want to make an opportunity right here. Can't talk about sharing Christ without uh, opening that up to what God wants to do in here. And if there's anybody in here that just doesn't know, I mean, they really don't know Christ or they, you know, they've been down this road. They don't know if they have a real relationship. I just want to make sure that you know. And it, and it starts with just saying yes. It's that simple. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you want Christ and you're not sure, but you want to be sure, the Bible says you can know. Receive him as Christ. Receive him into your heart. Accept him as your Savior. Confess him as Lord. Give your life total control to him. It's that simple. If you want to know how good God is, you want to step out of the boat and live a life above the norm, you can do it with Christ. And I want you to receive him now. With heads bowed, eyes closed, if you say, you know what, I've been on the fence, I want that, raise your hand. Anyone in this room? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Another one. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. At the end of this service, we're going to, with heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to walk back to guest services, those of you that raised your hand. Or if you didn't, we want to get you a free Bible. Guest services, stop by. But let's pray this prayer because, and, and I say this with all sincerity, this one prayer, if you mean it from the depths of your heart, giving it to Jesus and let him be your Lord, it'll transform your life. Say, Father in heaven, I receive Jesus and all of his goodness, the forgiveness of my sin. And I purpose right now to live for you. I give all my flaws and my fears, my bad thinking to you. And I trust and rest in you. In Jesus' name, my life has changed. 